Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you have continued to show yourself faithful. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your goodness that led me to Texas 21 years ago. I'm thankful for the goodness of God I've seen in my life over the years. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. Hallelujah, that showed up in the Savelle's life and and changed their lives 51, 52 years ago. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. The goodness of God showing up in Miss Caroling's bedroom and, and her looking into your eyes and you saying, there's hurting people outside these walls. I want you to love them for me. I thank you. That was the goodness of God intersecting with my life. That's the goodness of God intersecting with every single one of the lives of those that are part of Heritage of Faith. I thank you that that was God's goodness speaking into Miss Carolyn's life and, and causing Heritage of Faith to be established. A place where the word of faith could be spoken. A place where we could grow up and be everything you called us to be in Christ. We thank you that this is a place where your glory dwells. We thank you, Father, that you have caused us to win in life, to go from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. We've been able to see your goodness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for every miracle, every testimony, financial breakthrough, revelation, word of knowledge, gift of the spirit that has been in operation in this church for over 20 years, that that it changed people's lives. I thank you that I'm a life that's been changed because of the message that's come from this house. But ultimately, it's a message that's come from heaven. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Oh, we celebrate your goodness today. I thank you that you have been good to the people of Heritage of Faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 We don't lift up man. We don't lift up necessarily a building or a place, but we can be thankful for those things. I'm thankful for Heritage of Faith. I'm thankful for the Savelles. Thank you, Father. If you're thankful that that this is your church family and this is your church home, just lift a hand to heaven and just worship God for a moment that he's, he's directed your life here. Thank you that you've directed our lives. Lord, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a godly thing. You, you set people in the body. You set gifts of ministry in the earth for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So being planted in the house is a gift. It's, a, it's an honor. It's something that we treasure. It's something that we are thankful for. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the church that you've called us to be a part of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a shout of praise, amen. If you're thankful for the goodness of God. At this time, I'm gonna have Miss Carolyn make her way to the platform. And while she's making her way to the platform, you can go ahead and be seated. You know, the heritage of faith, it was... It wasn't established because the Savelles needed something else to do. It wasn't established as a means to a platform for finances to come in. It was, it was started because God said. You know, and why am I here? I'm here because God said. 
You know, um, 18 years ago, actually, I was going to EMIC and I was um, serving in the youth at Eagle Mountain International Church. And and during that time, I was serving in the youth and and the Lord kept speaking to me. And he said, Justin, he said, church for you is is no longer about your choice. He said, but it's where I've called you to be. And I was, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me because I, I thought it's just, it's all about where I want to go, where I'm fed, what's, you know, where, where my, my friendships are, where, where, where I feel comfortable, where, where it's, you know, the things I like and the natural whatever. And, and, it, and so what the Lord said, church for you, Justin, is no longer about where you choose, but it's about where you're called to be. And, and little did I know that one day I'd be actually the, the pastor of this church, <laughs> you know, so it definitely wasn't about my choice, but it was about my calling. And I believe in the days that we're living in, I, I believe that where you go to ch- church is everything. It means life or death and where you're founded, where you're grounded. And I'm so grateful that God directed me, not just under the Savelle's ministry, but to heritage of faith. And I'm thankful for our First lady or first apostle, whatever we want to, <laughs> first founding apostle. <laughs> no, not the old lady. Your, your strength is, your, your youth is renewed like the eagle. So give Pastor Carolyn a hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Yes, give her a hand. Stand to your feet. Give her a hand. Thank you, Father. We're thankful for you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this morning I got up early and I turned my phone on, which is usually the first thing I do, and I looked at HFCC Instagram, and there was a crew of you up here, before the sun even come up over the horizon this morning, working. And my heart is so full of appreciation and gratitude to all of you who were here all day yesterday working, putting all this together. And where is Nikki Deaton? Nikki heads up all of this stuff, so Nikki, stand, and let's all give you... A hand of appreciation for all that you've done. Jerry asked me yesterday, well, did you invite Nikki and Eric and Natasha and Brooklyn to come to lunch? And I said, Jerry, I'm sure they're at the church working, so they couldn't come today. So it's with much love and much appreciation. Without you, we wouldn't have a church. Without the ushers and the greeters and and the care group, uh, leaders and every, every one of you, we would not have a church. And I'm looking out here. I didn't know our church was this large. This is amazing seeing all of us together for once, <laughs> you know, out in a parking lot. So I want to say thank you. These notes right here are what I shared 19 years ago. Now I've added a little bit to it. So I want to go back and go over some of the scriptures that were so real and so alive to me 19 years ago. But first, there's a few people I want to thank. Martin and Liz Salazar, they've been here with us for so many years. I want to thank the Salazars. I also want to thank George and Tilly. They've been here with us from the beginning. I also want to thank, let me look at my notes here. Sylvia and Mario, where are Sylvia and Mario? Would you all stand? I just want everyone to give uh, a warm welcome to you and appreciation of love for being here with us all these many years. We love you and thank you for your faithfulness and all that you've done for, uh, what is this church? OFC? (laughs) Heritage of Faith Christian Center. OFC, that's what I have on my notes. 
was the church years ago when I was in my 20s that my husband started. And when the Lord appeared to me the night that he said he wanted me to start this church, there were hurting people to love them for him. For two years, Jerry had been after me that he wanted, he felt like we should have a church here. And you know what my words were? Those are words for grounds of divorce. I will never have a church again. I did that in my early 20s, and I'm not going back there and doing that again. That was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. But I want to tell you, when Jesus appears and stands at the foot of your bed, and you look up into his face, and when you look into his eyes, I went into his eyes. And when I went into his eyes, I melted. I just melted, and I was a willing vessel. I would do anything he asked me to do, and it became the greatest joy of my life. It was the easiest thing I've ever done, because within, I think, three or four weeks, we had a church. And in that three or four weeks, God, I'm telling you, God sent us. And here's a list of all the departments I started in just a few weeks. The nursery was the Airborne, and it was run by Jerry Ann, my daughter. The second was the children's group, and it was Royal Airs, and it was run by Renee Smith. The third was preteens, and it was Air Force, and it was run by Jose and Patricia. Cordero. Then the next was the uh, Youth Junior Solid Rock, and it was run by Terry and Rodney. And uh, then the singles, 18 to 26, Harry and Rhonda Mason, they now are in Australia. That's where they originally came from. After that was singles, 26, up, and it was Vicki uh, Harrison. After that was sports, and it was Billy Harrison. After that was the Ladies Book Club, which was run by Joyce McCroskey. After that was the Compassion Center that was run by Michelle Board. It just goes on and on and on. And then there was the food bank, which I called it Living Bread. And after that was the setup department, which was run by Roy Parr. Hostess Captain, which was run by Wendy Stowe. After that was the greeters, Tammy Tilson. Tammy's in heaven now. After that was PowerPoint presentation, Ron Wacker. His daughter is now. Where is she? Oh, yes. And then after that was uh, sound department was Jesse Shook. And then praise and worship was Isaiah Shook. And the ushers was David Hawker. I mean, what a crew God put together. And just a matter of three weeks. And I'm telling you, it's just progressed to get better and better and better and better. And evolved over the 20-year course of time. But I want to share this scripture with you. Habakkuk 2.2. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. And I wrote down what it says in the message. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so it can be read on the run. That's what we're going to do for our vision of the new building that we have where we can all get under one roof and also expand and grow. So how exciting that is going to be. And these were the scriptures I used 20 years ago. Hebrews 11.1. Thank you, darling. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. That's what we're going to build the new building with is our faith. Our faith is that substance. The money will come in if we have the substance of faith. 
Um, Mark 11, 22 through 26, have faith in God. Well, this is a congregation that has faith in God. And I can tell you that Brother Jerry and I have faith in God. Your pastor, Justin and Annette, they have faith in God. All the ministerial team, we have joined together in unity and we are in agreement. We have faith in God that whatsoever or whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We prayed the prayer petition back months ago over the new building. And I believe by faith that we as a congregation have everything that we have desired of God for that new building. There's another scripture here I want to give you. Justin, help me here, darling. Here we go. When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. These were my notes from 20 years ago. When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Before Moses could undertake the impossible task of delivering the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, it is said that he saw the invisible. Well, I was raised in a builder's home. And my mother drew plans, and she could see the invisible of those homes that she was going to build before they were built. Well, we as a congregation, we as a pastoral team, see the invisible. And if we see the invisible, I can see that new church building inside me. So we are in the next week or two going to start drawing the plans and getting things together so that the invisible will become the impossible. Hallelujah. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he was able to see him, Jesus, who is invisible, to the naked eye. And seeing him with his spirit changed Moses' entire focus from a stuttering, flattering, and unbelieving, faltering, and unbelieving man to an extraordinary, talking, firm-believing, and anointed man who literally did the impossible both in Egypt and all the way to the promised land. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the impossible all the way to fruition, all the way until we see it completely fulfilled in Jesus' name. He saw the invisible, so he was able to do the impossible. So that's what we are as a congregation. We are mighty in, in Christ. And through the power of him, we can do all things. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I love you. And you melt my heart. Would you all stand? And I want you to do something for me. I love to do this because it's a token of my love. Wrap your arms around yourself like that. And squeeze real tight. That's my hug to each and every one of you this morning to tell you how dear you are to me, how much I love you, and I treasure you, and I pray for you every day you're in my heart. God bless you. Thank you, Ms. Carolyn. This time I want to welcome Dr. Savell to make his way to the platform. Give Dr. Savell a hand.
you. Thank you, Justin. All right, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Recently, I was in prayer and just fellowship with the Lord, and I heard something come up in my spirit, and the Holy Spirit said this, a new era is coming. We are entering into a new era. Well, I started this morning. It's already begun. In fact, while I was sitting on the front row listening to my wife, I got to tell her what to do. (laughs) A new era has begun. She's been sitting on the front row for 51 years now telling me what to do. Hallelujah. I got to tell her, put the mic up. Put the mic up. Let's all praise God for that. Amen. (laughs) And if I come to church next week with a black eye, you'll know why. (laughs) From the beginning of this year, actually beginning in October of 2019, I began sharing with you the prophetic word the Lord gave me about 2020 being a year of supernatural increase. And it has indeed been that for this ministry, for Jerry Savelle Ministries International, for Carolyn and I personally, it has indeed been a year of supernatural increase. We are experiencing favor beyond anything we've ever experienced before. And I've been experiencing the favor of God all my life, and particularly after I surrendered my life to the Lord. But it's been over the top this year. And the year's not up yet, praise God. I, I, a lot of times I just don't even want to go to sleep. I don't want to miss anything. I get up early, so make sure I don't miss anything that God wants to do today. I shared with you back in October of last year as I began teaching on supernatural increase that the number 20, as we entered into 2020, that the number 20 from a biblical standpoint means or is symbolic of a complete or perfect waiting period. A complete or perfect waiting period. And I gave you several examples. I won't go into that this morning again. But there are several examples in the Bible where certain men, women of God stood for 20 years and God made it happen for them. My point is, don't ever give up. This could be the year. And the year is not up. I've had God do things supernaturally, particularly in 1981. In the month of October, I did something in obedience to God. And he promised me a hundredfold return before the year was up. And he did it. Within just a few months, it all came to pass. So whatever you're believing for, this has been a complete waiting period. You're on your way to some major victories, praise God. So don't ever give up. Can you say amen? Once again, the number 20 is often connected to a perfect period of waiting, a perfect period of laboring faithfully. It also is connected to the word suffering. And suffering would mean not only uh, the bearing of pain, but also inconvenience. How many of you have experienced some inconvenience over the last few years? How many of you are experiencing some inconvenience right now? You know, you've heard me say over the years that uh, I don't like that street out there. I don't know when they will ever repair that street permanently. 
That's the reason I'm not staying here. It has been inconvenient for me. Amen. We're on our way to better days. Hallelujah. And better streets. Hallelujah. So you don't tear your cars up going across there. And so this period of 20 years of inconvenience is coming to an end. Give the Lord a shout over that. Praise God. Amen. And then something else about the word inconvenience, a phrase that we use quite often, being put out. Anybody felt like they've been put out over the last few years? Thank you, one person. I appreciate your honesty. Hallelujah. You won't be put out anymore. Has anybody else felt like they've been put out in some way during the course of the last few years? Put out means being made or forced to be in a particular place or position and having to remain there for a certain time. Amen. We're not going to be put out anymore. We're not going to experience the inconvenience anymore. Even though we're grateful that we've had a place to worship, a place to learn the word, a place to fellowship, thank God for that. But our days of being experiencing inconvenience and being put out are coming to an end, praise God. If you're willing to wait, God will never let you down. Tell that to somebody. If you're willing to wait, God will never let you down. And the reason being is because He is the faithful God. I love that song we sang a few moments ago, and I can testify to that. All my life, He has been faithful. I love talking about the faithfulness of God. I put it in nearly every sermon I preach. I put it in nearly every letter I write. God is faithful. God is faithful. Don't ever forget that God is faithful. I learned something recently that the number 20 also implies that something good is in your future. Hallelujah. Something good is in your future, and your concerns and your worries will soon be over. Praise God. It also implies that your positive attitude while waiting is about to pay off. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, just stay positive. Tell him it's not over yet. And then just a few days ago, I learned that in the Hebrew, the number 20 means open hand. Open hand. It's symbolic of open hand. And that means get ready to receive. Put your hands open like this. Lift them up. Say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. My hands are open. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise for it. Amen. Open hand. I believe the Holy Spirit is admonishing us to get ready to welcome some manifestations of what we've been believing to happen for a long time. They're about to happen. Tell somebody, it's your receiving time. Another thing that I recently learned about the number 20, it's associated with the word connection, connection, which implies bringing things together. In 2020, in this 20 years that we're celebrating, God is bringing things together. Amen. We've launched our new building campaign as in, in 20 years as a church. I shared with you recently that uh, this year, in fact, I'm, I'm going uh, later this week, uh, down to San Marcos and do the final inspection 
on the Falcon 50 that God has blessed this ministry with. I've waited 20 years for that international jet to manifest. And in the year 2020, 20 years, it's happened. Hallelujah. Amen. It's happened. I want to encourage you, no matter how long you've been waiting, 20 years, that's a long time. But you know, when it happens, you don't think about how long it took. You're so grateful and thankful that God was faithful. Amen? God was faithful. So, what do you suppose God is up to next? What do you suppose we have to look forward to as we move into the next year? I've already received a word from the Lord about 2021. I'm not going to talk to you about it this morning. We'll save that for a little later. But just trust me, you're going to like it. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to like it. Amen. Let me wrap it up with this. God is bringing it all together. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. I'm going to say it again this morning. Don't quit. Don't ever give up. Just because it doesn't look as though anything is happening, just remember God is always working behind the scenes. Always working behind the scenes. Little did I know just a few days ago that a friend of mine, would call me and say, Brother Jerry, I know you've been believing for a Falcon 50 for a long time. I heard about one that's in San Marcos. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what they want for it. I just know it's for sale. It may be something that you'd like to go take a look at. So I sent my chief pilot down to take a look at it first. And then he came back with a good report. He said, I think it's something you need to look at. Little did I know just from that one phone call, see, God was working behind the scenes. Little did I know from that one phone call that my days of traveling overseas, which I don't intend to quit doing for a long time. In fact, you know, 20 years from now, I'll be 94, and I'll still be flying overseas unless the Lord comes to get us all. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Why, why have an international jet and not use it? I got one that will take me cross-country. Amen? So why would God give me an international jet and say, okay, your days of traveling the world are over? No, I think, praise God, it's about to get some really, really active, and it's going to be a whole lot more fun. Hallelujah. I'm not riding for 200 people breathing their air anymore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So, just because it doesn't look like anything is happening, just remember, God is always working behind the scenes. Stay in faith, refuse to waver, and eventually you'll see that God is bringing it all together. Just because you couldn't make it happen doesn't mean God can't make it happen. God is the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Mark 10, 27 says, With men it is impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. What you've been believing for, it may have been taking a long, long time. But don't ever forget that our God is still the God of suddenlies. It could suddenly come to pass. You could go to bed tonight wondering when in the world is it ever going to come to pass. You could get up in the morning and breakthrough has come. I've had it happen many times. He's still the faithful God. Hebrews 13, 5 from the Amplified Bible says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree 
leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Why would he say it three times? I will not, I will not, I will not. I think he's trying to get a point across. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God will not. He will not. He will not let you down. He's not going to let you fail. And soon you're going to be testifying to the breakthrough that God has brought to you. So with confidence and with boldness, I want you to shout with a loud voice, My God is bringing it all together, and I refuse to give up. And give Him a good shout of praise. Amen. Never stop believing that God will make a way. We love singing that song here at this church. God is the way maker, and He's still making a way when we stay in faith. Can you say amen? So thank you, faithful people. You know, every time I say faithful people, I can't help but think of Jesse DePlantis. You know, Jesse and I, uh, we cut up a lot. We, we, we love being together. And a number of years ago, we were, Carol and I were in their home, and then they came and stayed a few days in our home. And Jesse and I decided that we were going to sing at Brother Copeland's Believers Convention in Fort Worth. He'd been trying to talk me into singing for a long time. I said, Jesse, I can't sing. He said, yeah, you can. I said, no, I, I can't sing good. He said, yeah, you can. He said, you love the 50 songs. Won't you take some of the 50 songs, rewrite the words, I'll play them, and you sing them. I said, Jesse, I'm not going to make a fool of myself in front of 10,000 people. He said, you can do it. Well, he kept encouraging me. He kept talking to me about it. And so finally, we did it. And the place went wild. I mean, they shouted. They rejoiced. Oh, I got a standing ovation. And then I pulled an Elvis on them. And I said, Jerry has left the building. <laughs> and so a few months later, we were going to be in Australia. And Brother Copeland was singing the first night. And after he got through singing, everybody started shouting, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. It had already gotten to Australia by Jesse and I singing in Fort Worth. And Brother Copeland said, well, get up here and sing. They're not going to let me preach until you sing. He said, I've been singing all my life. Ain't nobody ever said, Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenneth. <laughs> Jerry sings one time, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Well, then Jesse said, we got to do it again. I said, Jesse, I'm saving up for 20,000 people in the building. And so he came to me and he said, I've been thinking about a song we can do. You can write the words. I said, what song is that? He said, Roy Orbison's song, Pretty Woman. I said, Pretty Woman? How, what words am I going to use to change the words in that song? He said, here's an idea. You know, and it goes, Pretty Woman, Walking Down the Street. Jesse said, Faithful Poison, Walking Down the Street. <laughs> Kathy said, Jesse, Leave the songwriting to Jerry. You just play the music. <laughs> Amen. So look at your neighbor and say, I think I'm looking at a faithful person. And I encourage you to just stay that way. Give the Lord another shout. Praise God. Welcome, Heritage of Faith, 20 years anniversary. Let's welcome our pastor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the word says for us to follow, the, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So, so, uh, so I think I'm going to sing now. 
just in, just now. Now, pretty woman, the anointing just lifted. So, what's that? Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated. Well, you had a triple header this morning. So, Miss Carolyn, uh, Dr. Savell, and myself. So, Annette, would you like to say something as well this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wind here, and some, some things don't blow away. 20 years. Now, before I, I share some things, um, I, I'm excited about where we're going as a church. But uh, to me, church is, it's, it's all about people. It's all, about, it's all about fulfilling the will of God in the earth. Church isn't man's idea. It was God's idea, and Jesus is the head of it. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I'm the head of the church, and we are his body. So I'm grateful to be a part of the body of Christ. Uh, just before I share some things with you, I'd like to have Pastor Phil and Diane stand, Nikki and Eric, uh, Rick and Cassie, uh, Joseph, hallelujah, just Rick's back over there, Joseph's over there. I'm so grateful for our executive team. If I could have all of our Thrive Group leaders, if you could stand. If you're a department head leader or a, uh, you, um, if you're a department head or you're a volunteer within any of our departments, I want you to stand to your feet. A volunteer or a department head in any of our, yes. You see, you know, church is about everyone taking their place within the body. And, and I'm so grateful that Annette and I, we get to do this. This isn't something we have to do, it's something we get to do. And people say, well, you know, isn't it hard pastoring? Well, if you do it in your own ability, it is. But I refuse. I, I maybe started out trying to do things in my own ability. Maybe try to start out being, well, well, I, I need to be like Jerry Savelle. <laughs> and Lois like, no, you need to be Justin Bridges. <laughs> you don't, there doesn't mean two Jerry Savelle. He's the apostle of the house and you're the pastor, so you be you. And you know what? It takes each one of you being you. For us to be the people of God that God's called us to be to change his community. So I want us to give ourselves a hand, each one of the hands standing, because it takes you to make this church be what it's called to be. You can be seated. The scripture just was in my heart this, this week and preparing. There's so many things I could share and say and don't want to keep you long. There's so many other things that we want to do today. But in uh, Romans chapter 1... The Apostle Paul is speaking here, verse 11, it says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established. The Apostle Paul had a yearning, a desire, a, a purpose, a passion, saying, I can't wait to get to you, Rome. I've got something I want to share with you. I've got something I want to speak to you. And, and it's in this, this, I want to deposit a spiritual gift. It's not just, I want to just say a few cute words. I want to just say a few things that, that, that can correct you or inspire you. But I, I, I got to get there. I want to impart something to you. That word impart there means I want to deposit. When, when, you, it, when you impart something or you implant something, it, it's not just saying that it's a good idea, but it's what I want to share with you. I want it to become a part of you. 
I want to impart to you a spiritual gift. It's not just, I want to give you some good ideas. No, I want something that I want to share with you to become a part of you. And this thing that he's so desperately, so yearning to share with them, it said that I want to share these things so that you would be established. And this word established here is is really two words. One, the word is to be unmovable. Meaning what I'm going to share with you is going to cause you to be unmovable. And And that's what we've been as a church. We've been unmovable no matter what we face as a church for 20 years. After all, that's the message of this house. That's the message of this ministry. Dr. Savell, why is it so important for him to have a, an international plane? Why, to, to talk people into winning. The Lord spoke to him back in, in, the, in, in even before he went into ministry. A prophet said, fly, fly, fly. Fly, fly, fly. <laughs> fly, fly, fly. And all of a sudden the prophet was like, he goes, well, I guess you've got airplanes in your future. And here, he couldn't even afford his rent and couldn't even afford, afford to put gas in his car. But God's saying, fly, fly, fly. It's not a status symbol with us. It's a tool. It's a tool, just like for an apostle, for a, an evangelist, an airplane is just a tool. For a, for, a, for a pastor, you know, a building isn't just a, an aspect of pride or, or look at what we have or look how built it is. No, it's a tool. It's a tool to make winners in life. Why do we as exist as a church? It's, there's hurting people outside these walls. Love them for me. What are we called to do as a church? To make winners in life. That's what this ministry has done for, for 52 years. Make winners in life. How are we going to do it? An experience with God. Equip people with a word. And then engage them to influence the world around them. Who are we as a church? We are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory. And we are a people of influence. So if you want to know what heritage of faith is, what you're a part of, that's what you're a part of. Loving people for him, making winners in life, bringing people to an experience of God, equipping with the word, engaging them for them to go out and influence the world around them. I'm looking at a people that are people of influence. You're not called just to sit on the sidelines. You are people and we are people of influence. What is influence? Influence, the the definition the Lord gave me years ago was influence is the power and the authority to affect, alter, or change something. And then who are we? What's our identity? We're a house of faith. Anyone ask you, what's your heritage of faith all about? We're a house of faith. And we make no apologies for it. We're a house of prayer. Make no apologies about it. We are a place of glory. And we are a people of influence. That's who you are. That's what we are. So the Apostle Paul said, here, I I, I have this desire to impart something that you might be established. That what I'm going to share with you is that you would be unmovable. And that's what we're about. That's the message that comes from this house, week in and week out, Wednesday night, small groups. It's all about making winners in life. So the message that comes from here is so that we would be unmovable. Because you know what? You will face adversity. You will experience attacks, but it doesn't matter what you faith. We always will stand. I love what Dr. Savell said, at, you know, a message that he preached years ago called Call to Battle and Destined to Win. And he spoke it at Keith Butler's in Detroit. And he said that, that you have attacks. It says, says when the dust settles, <laughs> it doesn't, dust settles, me and God will be standing. Why? Because I will not be defeated. And that's this message of faith is to establish us to where we're, to be unmovable. Another definition of this word 
that Paul in the in the in the Greek that Paul says here is that you would be established is that you would it will cause a person to take their place. If you're established, not only are you immovable, but you you've positioned yourself in a position to not move. And I love that he said, I had this desire to impart something to you that you would be established. Meaning what I'm going to share with you would cause you, that would cause you to take your place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. To cause you to take your place. That's what the message is, the message of a pastor, a message of an apostle. It's to go forth, and it's for the hearer to be unmovable. But it's also for them to take their place. Say, take my place. See, that's what we're called to do as a church. We, you take your place in your home. You take your place in your workplace. You take your place as a father. You take your place as a mother. You take your place in the church. As a church, we take our place in the community. And that's what this message that we, de- that we desire week in and week out to establish you, to be immovable, and for you to take your place in the kingdom. Now, there's a lot I could turn to and things I could share with you, but I just have four things that I want to deposit you real, real briefly about the New Testament church. And that we will continue to press towards the next 20 years. Yes, we'll always continue to press towards who we are as a church and what we're called to do and being a people of faith. But as a New Testament church, what caused the New Testament church to be established? What caused the New Testament church to take their place? What caused the New Testament church to be immovable? I, I love that statement of uh, in, in, in Acts chapter 5 when, when they, they told them and they got all over them and they told them, no longer preach in this name. They told, the, they told the disciples that. They said, no longer preach in this name. And I love the, I love the comeback in Acts chapter 5. He says, he said we're going to please God and not you. Meaning, we will, we, we, will, we will not stop preaching in this name. What position would we take today if all of a sudden our government told us we couldn't preach in that name? Would we be immovable? Will we take our place? I mean, it's a day that could be coming. The people in this nation could, could be coming where to keep you what you can say, who, what you can't say, who, who, or what, you know, where you can preach, how many people can be, be there. So would we take our place? Would we be immovable? See, the church had to have this, this I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a stake in the ground, and I'm not moving from here. And that's what, the, that's what the New Testament church, and that's what caused, even after that first moment, that first time the gospels are preached, 3,000 got saved. Then 5,000 got saved. And the next thing you know, the gospel spread throughout the world. But there were these attitudes and these attitudes that the believers had. And I want to just deposit this in our hearts real quick. What caused the early church to impact the world? Number one, they had a deep commitment to God. The Savelles have had that deep commitment for over 50 years. Annette and I, we have that same commitment for 
to throughout the years of us being born again, but also pastoring his deep commitment to God. What is that? It's a, it's the realization that his word is priority and his presence is priority. That's what the, that's what the New Testament church, they took their place and they were immovable in this fact that they took a deep commitment to God. What does that, what does that mean? A passion for God. They were sold out to the cause of Christ. Their lives were changed and they were all in. It was a commitment of no turning back. They were committed to the Savior that saved them and the, and, the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit that had changed them from the inside out. They were immovable and they took their place. Committed to deep commitment to God. Number two, they had a firm reliance on the Holy Spirit. I would not be where I am today if I just if I just ascribed to a religion. What makes Christianity different than any other religion in the world? It's the the fact that our God is alive. It's the fact that He sits on the throne in heaven. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit was sent to the earth to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. To equip us as believers. To be the one that we can walk with to reveal Jesus to us. What calls the New Testament church to be immovable. A deep commitment to God. They had a firm reliance on the Holy Spirit. Number three, they had a strong devotion to one another. They had a strong devotion to one another. They were there for each other. Think about just the moment the church was birthed. Here they were, they were, they were selling things so no one had need. I remember years ago before I was even a pastor and I was working in the sound booth and, and, and I remember sitting up in the sound booth, me and Ron back there 18 years ago and Miss Carolyn said, the Lord just spoke to me and, and there's someone here that needs a washer and a dryer. And someone stood up and said, uh, I've got a washer and dryer. And I, she said, well, someone needs this and someone said, I, I, I'll meet that need. Someone else stood up and they're like, I'll, I'll, I'll meet that need. And here we are. Just this is a group. We met every need in the house that moment. There's times where we've done that throughout the years for single moms. There's single moms here and collecting offerings of $10,000 right then. You know, just to, just to meet people's needs. Now, that doesn't say, oh, I won't go there. But as a church, as a church, we, we just think in, in 20 years as a church, not that we've received in tithes and offerings, but what we've given as a church in 20 years has been over $3.5 million. We, we're not a taking church. We are a giving church. We, 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 we never ask people to do what we don't do ourselves. We've sown to missionaries and missions throughout this world over the last 20 years $3.5 million. So no let everyone tell you Heritage of Faith is just about money. No, we're about giving. You know, right now in our church, we have, we have people that attend regularly in our church. We have over 600 people that are part of our church every month, regularly. Amen. That's why we have to have two services. Now, we don't necessarily have all 600 show up every Sunday, but regularly. 600 people, and we're, 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 we, we we're full of a church that's made a deep commitment to God, a reliance upon the Holy Spirit, and have a strong devotion to one another. That's what caused the church to invade their, their, their community to where it spread out and changed the lives of not just that one community, but all communities. 
In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, he tells them, and he says, he goes, I get joy. And he could have said so many things. He, I get joy of this or that. I get joy because I see miracles. I get joy because of all this. And he says, he goes, I get joy when I see you walking side by side for the faith of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What gives him joy? He goes on in the next chapter, the very next chapter, he, he goes, I get joy. I, I get joy because I see that you are of one harmonious mind and intention. Then he goes on, he goes, let us have that same attitude that Christ had. He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon himself as a form of a servant. Even though he is in the likeness of God, he let down his deity. And it's so that God could, could give him a name above every other name. I believe as we, as we have this strong devotion to one another and we have this love one toward another, that God will cause us to be elevated in our community, elevated in the world to where we are that lighthouse of faith, that lighthouse of prayer, in that place of glory that all men will be drawn into. Why? This is the attitude and the position and place of the New Testament church. And lastly, this attitude, this unmovable attitude or this place that people had placed themselves in in the New Testament. Number four is a compelling, a compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. A compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. And that's what calls the New Testament church to totally change the world. A deep commitment to Christ. They were totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. A love one for another in this compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. What do I mean by this compelling desire? I think of the woman that was at the well. This woman at the well and Jesus had this encounter with that woman and, and without going into all the story, she, she left her, her water bucket there. The whole reason she came, it was a natural reason. It was a natural purpose. And, she, and yet she left the reason she had come. Why? Because something invaded her life. It was the master. It was Jesus. She went back to this place where everyone knew her. They knew her past. They knew that she, she had, was married five different times and the one she was living with wasn't her husband. And yet she said, she goes, come see a man. Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. And they came, and all of a sudden these people are saying, well, because she knew who she she knew who that meant. She, they knew who she was, and she knew that they knew who she was. And yet they all come because they knew who that woman was. And they all come back, and they said, they said, we don't just now believe because you told us. We believe because we see it for ourselves. But it all came because this woman had a compelling desire. See, there's times that you come. There's, there's, there's go and tell, go and tell someone of what God's done in my life. But there's also come and see, come and see. And no matter where you are as a believer in the New Testament church, we have, this, have to have this compelling desire where we tell people, come and see, come, come and experience God at my church. But there's also times, more importantly, most of the time is go and tell what God's done in your life. Has God something done in your life? We're called to go and tell it. 
You have a testimony. You have a message. But we as a church, these next 20 years, it will continue to be a, a church where we teach the message of faith. We make winners in life. But as a church, I want to encourage each one of us to have a deep passion for God. Rely upon the Holy Spirit. Have a strong love one for another. And be compelled to see the lost come to Christ. If you take this challenge with me and you you take your position and you take your place today as this this New Testament attitude and, and you take this position to be established and immovable in this purpose, would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for 20 years of the message of faith being preached in this house and preached in this place, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that our days and years, we've had great testimonies, great things that have happened on this property. But we thank you for the great things that you have in store for us. We thank you for the buildings. We thank you for for the for the continual leaders and the people that you're sending us. And I thank you for every heart that you see on this parking lot here. That I believe something was imparted to them by your spirit. Through the things that Miss Carolyn said about vision, about our future, things that Dr. Savell has said to us, that apostolic voice being spoken to us this morning. But I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit speaking through me today, depositing in this heart that that we would make a fresh commitment. This fresh commitment, this deep commitment to God. This desire to depend upon the Holy Spirit. This strong love one for another. And this compelling desire to see the lost come to Christ. If that's you, just say, that's me. Just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your work in my life. I thank you for bringing me to heritage of faith. Thank you for making me a winner in life. I thank you that you are still working in my life. Things that are broken, you're restoring. Things that are, have gone wrong, you are mending. You're making all things new in my life. And I take my place as a part of Heritage of Faith. I determine to have a deep commitment for the things of God. A firm reliance on the Holy Spirit. I choose to have a strong love for my brother and sister in the kingdom of God. And place within me, Father, a deep desire to reach the lost for Christ in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If you believe that today and you're excited about the future of Heritage of Faith, go ahead and give them a shout of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we rejoice in 20 years, Father, but we also rejoice in the next 20 years. Thank you for all that you have for us as a house and as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm so grateful for the church that God's planted me in. 
And Annette and I, we look to you and we look at each one of you and we say we're thankful that God has planted you in our lives. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated.